listening to First Church Charlotte. All right, all right. God bless you as you head back to your seats. We are reading together in Luke chapter number four. If you would like to turn in the scripture, let's stand together as is our habit when we address the word of the Lord together. It's great to have brother and sister Judd here today. If I would have had known I had important people today, I would have prayed a little bit extra. Uh, but now they're just going to have to get me in the carnal version of me. So uh, my wife's like, what's different about that? <laughs> Praise the Lord, somebody. Did anyone notice my flower pots I put out front? Y'all know my flower pots? This is just not a flowery church. All right. Luke chapter number four, verse number 17. Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because, somebody say because, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Uh, he, Jesus, not even going to fight it. Not even going to fight it. I rebuke. <laughs> you may be seated. Sorry for all that distraction. Uh, we have been having problems. I'm going to let you take care of this for me, my brother. Uh, we've been having problems with that mic ever since um, I started letting my wife do a lot of announcing. That mic has has quit the church. It just does not believe in women ministers. And so we're going to have to get us a, a mic that doesn't have that conviction in their life. So praise the Lord, somebody. I love you all today. We are continuing the subject from last week, three anointings. I want to be an anointed church. I want to be a part of an anointed church. I want to be an, an anointed uh, man of faith, man of God. Uh, I know you feel the same way. There's no greater honor in our life than our opportunity to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? And so we last week talked about three anointings. I will review them very quickly for you all. If if you were not here last week, there's three anointings in the Old Testament that serve as as not just not just a moment in time, but it's almost a symbolic teaching. Uh, the Scripture often teaches us through sim- symbol. It's like if you if you want to learn and know about the gift of, say, the Holy Spirit in your life, the Bible will give you, rather than a stack of scholarly tomes, the Bible will give you images. Like, for example, there's seven teaching images in the Scripture uh, for the Holy Spirit. The first one I will mention is the Holy Spirit comes as rain. Uh, it is the first and the latter rain in the in the, 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 the area of land the children of Israel 
Israel le- uh, lived, there were two rainy seasons. One was at spring, and one was at the end of the harvest. And so they, referring one to another, they called it the first and the latter rain. They're referring to the rain that kicks the harvest off, and the rain that brings the harvest to fulfillment. Uh, there's other images. The Holy Spirit is uh, shown to us as in the scripture as rivers of living water. Uh, another teaching symbol is the wind of the Spirit, also anointing oil, also wine for you party people. The Holy Spirit is used as wine. Um, uh, stay calm there, sister. Uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is shown as fire in the scripture, also shown as a dove. Why would the Lord give you a symbol? Because he is allowing us to learn something through what we know about something else. That's the point of a symbol. And so this, this image of the reign of the Spirit um, is, is very much a teaching example of, of the Holy Spirit. Paul, on the day of Pentecost, preaches about this, quotes the prophet Joel, and talks about a pouring out of, of the Holy Spirit uh, in the latter reign. And, and we see this, and uh, we learn from the symbol. There, there's three anointings in the Old Testament that teach as a symbol. The first one, and I, I won't re-preach this. I'm just going to touch it and move along. Uh, if you missed it, it's all available on the media files of the church. Just go to the website, and you will find it in video and audio there. Um, the first anointing is the anointing of the unclean. So a leper comes back to the house of God. They have been denied access. Why? Somebody say they're unclean. They don't, they're unclean. They don't belong there. But uh, when they come back to the house of God, uh, they are anointed by the priest, after they have been shown to be healed of their disease, the priest anoints them, and the Bible calls, or the Bible says, literally at that moment, that it is for their atonement. It is, it is as though they are unworthy, and they are brought into the house. They have been healed, they've been delivered, and there is an anointing of atonement so they can become a part of the family of the Lord. Isn't it interesting that they're not just tolerated, they are anointed? You see, I think this is important because as a church, we want to be a church that understands God anoints imperfect people. They aren't just tolerated. They're, they're anointed. So it is with the leper. Uh, you could talk about how he is going to ruin the good image of the, the house. We'll just tolerate him over in the court of the Gentiles, maybe. And uh, the Lord says, no, have the priest anoint him for atonement. This is a, a teaching moment in the scripture, and it shows us how we, dead in trespasses and sins. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we who needed mercy, we who needed grace. We are brought into fellowship of the Almighty God through the anointing that he places upon us. And so, uh, having been atoned by his work, not our work, uh, the judgment, uh, the, when judgment comes by, it doesn't see us. It doesn't look at our righteousness. It looks at Jesus Christ. And although I'm not good enough and you're not good enough, the good news is it's Jesus is good enough. 
And so this first anointing is an anointing of atonement where we are brought back into uh, fellowship with the people of God. The second uh, image is the anointing of the priest. And the, the Bible uh, t- teaches and shows us this. Uh, the priest is anointed to minister to the Lord. This is, this is very important. The priest is anointed to minister to the Lord. So uh, what happens at this moment is when you have worship in you, when you focus your attention upon God and you worship him, you are now able to be filled with his presence and his anointing. All any of us are, all any of us are, are vessels at best. There's an emptiness at the core of humanity. You can try to fill it with success, and all that's fine. Uh, if you can make it mean something for you, fine, whatever. You can try to fill it with money. I mean, uh, you know, money's fine. You, you can try to fill it with experience. But the point is this. You were created to be a worshiper. Now, you can decide not to worship God, but you're still going to be a worshiper. You're just going to allow yourself a different form of worship, and you will live out modern idolatry, which is to express that you're a worshiper. It's just you haven't chosen to worship God. Do you see? You may worship a sports team. You may get your identity by labeling yourself with them. You you may worship some um, celebrity or even a hobby or some dream aspiration. You're going to worship something. You are going to feel yourself with something. Is there anybody in the house hearing what I'm trying to say to you? You're going to feel yourself with something. You are an empty vessel. To be human is to live with a sense of my own organized emptiness. I must find meaning. I must be filled with something. I'll try this. I'll try that. My taste will change. The seasons of my life will change. Now I'll try this. Now I'll try that. But here's the thing. I will never get away from the truth that I am a worshiper. And I will never be complete until I find an object of worship. Let me tell you who you were created to worship. Hero is or the Lord our God is one. Him alone should you serve. Him alone should you worship. I want to be a worshiper. It is how I am filled with Almighty God. That is how this carnal vessel is filled with Him through worship. A young preacher came up to Brother Tenney one time. T.F. Tenney had, had, had preached, and the young preacher got there, and he came up to him, and he said, Brother Tenney, uh, I'm sorry about being late. Sorry about being late, but I got here for the best part. I uh, got here in time for the preaching. Brother Tenney, uh, you know, uh, this is a great story, and the first time I tell this story, it'll be about Brother Tenney, and the second time I tell the story, it'll be about I heard, and the third time I tell the story, it happened to me. That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. So Brother Tenney told this young preacher, he said, well, the best part of the service for who? He said, you got here for the best part of the service. It wasn't the best part of the service for, for God. God doesn't need the word. God is the word. The worship was the best part of the service for God. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> After Charlotte got on to us all, then you told that story. She's a mean woman. I've been trying to tell you for some time. 
<laughs> Worship is our opportunity to lay down the junk that you've been carrying around this week. It's your opportunity to forget about who did somebody wrong song and who was mad at who and who did this to that. And you lay all that down and you come into his house and you say, there is only one that I want to serve. There's only one I want to serve and his name is Jesus. I am a worshiper in this house. I'm going to clap my hands. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to say, great is the Lord. You are anointed to be a worshiper. And third, you have this image in the scripture of the anointing of the king. And the king is anointed for others. The king is anointed, and we read this in the anointing of Saul. Uh, He is anointed to be a captain over the Lord's inheritance. The placement is not for him, it's for them. You are not anointed simply for your needs. You're anointed to be a minister. So you are anointed to have access with God. That That is the anointing of atonement. You are anointed to be unified with God. That is worship. That's why when the Holy Spirit is given, he inhabits the praises of his people. If you are wanting to have that moment of personal experience in your life where you may, you, you either feel the moving of his spirit or you have this emotional breaking of yourself before the Lord and his spirit falls on you and you, you speak with a heavenly language, that's going to come as you are filled with praise and worship, you see. Now, having been atoned, having been filled with God, you are anointed to minister to others. And so last week we talked about the how of anointing. We talked about these three anointings. And today, in the same manner that Jesus stood before the people as we read in our text and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because, because. And then he gives us the why of his anointing. This is why the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, liberty to the captive, sight to the blind, liberty to the oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He's not just anointed. He knows why he is anointed. And I want all of us to understand why we are anointed. Uh, If we're not careful, we turn God's anointing into a self-labeling and a self-promotion system. And the highest place is not to exalt the self, but to serve others. That's why the scripture says the Son of Man himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The highest place of, uh, of work in God is not when it is for you, but it is through you. Now, you've heard me preach this a lot. This is like a drum I beat every Sunday. And the reason why I do that is this. I deeply believe that you are God's gift to your broken world. I want to show you that in the scripture. You are God's gift. God has a plan for your world and it's you. Let's call this the look in the mirror plan of God. You are God's gift to your world. The truth is your place of employment probably is filled with many, many people. Some of them are not ready because they are not facing the end of themselves. We are mostly, uh, most people uh, find themselves ready for God when they have discovered the end of themselves and there's pain in their life. There's a sense of, of, of incompleteness now they are ready. If you want to find where God is moving in your life, ask yourself who is hurting. Who's hurting in your world? You're God's plan for a broken world. You are. You are. Somebody say, I'm God's plan for a broken world. How do I know where God is moving? Look for the pain. 
You see, revival is birthed out of death. New life is birthed out of death. And pain in our life brings us to the end of ourselves. And it's like a dying in our lives. Where's the pain in your life? Can you speak hope to the person who is hopeless? Can, Jesus didn't say, I came to spend time with scholars. I am anointed to hang out with other saved people. I have been sent to hang out with the people whose life are so organized that they are a testimony to good stewardship. I have come to have color fests with people who can see. I have come to hang out with people who've never been convicted of anything? No. He says, I am here. And then he lists a list of broken humanity. Why am I anointed? Because humanity is broken. And I am here to do the, to express the heart of God. I want you to remember I said that. I'm coming back to it. I am here to express the heart of God to a broken world. So you're anointed not for your personal exaltation. That is very shallow. You're not even uh, you're not even anointed because of your need for prosperity. Now I believe that God blesses his people and I believe God uh, will will bless you. But that is not your purpose. Your purpose is to bless somebody else. That's why in the kingdom of heaven, the way to have is to give. Don't have time to preach that. You guys have heard that a lot. So I want you to see this moment where we are seeing the anointing that is expressed in our life. Atonement, worship, ministry. Atonement, worship, ministry. Now I want to talk about the consequences of being anointed. It was not by accident that God has made this investment in you. It is on purpose. If you were to, if you were to walk outside and look up at the sky, you would probably see some clouds. And uh, in the same manner that rain is a teaching example of the, the anointing of God uh, and the, the giving of the Holy Spirit, uh, in the same manner, uh, clouds are a part of that image of rain. And did you know, ironic fun fact, uh, the average cloud that you see in the sky, uh, just uh, average uh, cumulus, I believe they would call it cloud, um, has about a million pounds of water in it. The average cloud in the sky has about a million. A million's a lot of anything. A million is a lot of flies to swat. A million's a lot of anything. A million's a lot of Godiva chocolate bars to eat, although I'm willing to give it a shot. Godiva. I can't even pronounce it. I'm so anointed today. My God. My spirit's holding me back from that life of sin. <laughs> A million, the average cloud that sails over your head has a million pounds of water in it. And yet, I have spent some time in the southwest part of, a, uh, of the United States, and it's, it's a desert. It's Everywhere you go is a desert. It's dry. Um, and interestingly, I, I always, one of the things I enjoyed about preaching in West Texas, not a lot to enjoy in West Texas unless you're a cowboy. Uh, and if you're a cowboy, you get your six-shooter and your chaps and your boots and you're rolling. Uh, but for the rest of us, it's just a uh, long drives and beautiful country in its own way. And I, I would love, I, almost every day I was out in West Texas, I would go out at sunset and I would look at the sky because it's big sky country and the, the whole atmosphere is just cloudscapes. And once you put all the different reflective and refractive colors of light coming through the ionosphere, big word alert, it just lights up those, it just lights up those clouds with just gorgeous colors. And what's interesting though, is it almost never rained, but there was plenty of clouds and it never rained. There's lots of clouds. There's lots of water up there, 
but none of it was falling on me. Come on, stay with me. What is, what must happen in order to experience the rain in that place? Well, there has to be some changes that happen in the atmosphere. I believe anointed people's gift to the world is they bring about changes in the atmosphere. I believe if you're doing your job right, you're going to bring about some changes in the atmosphere. I believe if you're doing it with commitment, you're going to bring about some changes in the atmosphere. Somebody say yes. So, if the cloud is going to release its burden, its gift, its life-giving water, the water molecules have to get to the point where they start coming together. Isn't it amazing how when you get anointed people coming together, it's not very long before the rain begins to fall. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. When you get people coming together, it's a change in the atmosphere. When, 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 when two or three are there and they speak the name of Jesus, it can change the atmosphere. When my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, they produce a change in the atmosphere. I've always believed the devil's best weapon was division and discouragement, distraction, and keeping people just chewing on each other and not coming together to change the atmosphere. But when those droplets of water begin to come together, they get to the point where you can't keep them in the sky. They're going to fall onto the desert pan. You can't keep them there. Let me tell you, when you get people of God that come together in faith and they unify, I know it's a teaching example, but it's a biblical teaching example. That's the first way that rain can be taken from the shut up heavens and fall upon a parched earth. The second way it can happen is when there is a change a second change in the atmosphere. And that is this. Some types of air can hold more water than other types of air. The big difference is temperature. So hot air can hold a lot of water that never blesses anybody. Like some Christians I have known, full of hot air. They can hold a lot of anointing. It just never blesses anybody. It's just for me. <laughs> Cold air can't hold near as much water. And so, the water is shut up in the heavens. But when there's a change in the atmosphere, the same air can't hold near as much water. And so the heavens open and release the rain upon the earth. As an anointed person, I deeply, deeply believe that you are called to bring about a change in the atmosphere. And it's not near as hard as you think it is. It's not near as difficult as it th you think it is. And I want to show you some more in the scripture here in just a moment. I just want to pause here for a moment. And I want you to accept your mission. I want you to accept your calling. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring a change in the atmosphere. You ignore the poor. I'm going to preach to them. You ignore the brokenhearted. I'm going to heal them. You ignore 
ignore the captive, I'm going to set them free. You ignore the blind, I'm going to give them sight. You ignore the oppressed, I'm giving them liberty. I've come to bring a change in the atmosphere. Every one of you has everything you need. You don't need a Bible school degree that just ruin you for real work. I'm just cutting up. I have a Bible school degree. You don't need some seven-step plan whereby you get the right pamphlet in your hand. No. You know what you need is a commitment to see that you are anointed. God has a big investment in you. And you are his gift to your broken world. And your job, oh, let me say it this way. You are a rainmaker. Show me the money. Show me. You are a rain maker. It is your job. It is your job to go into that place of employment where no one seems to be a believer. And you need to say, I'm changing the atmosphere in here. I don't know exactly where I'm starting, but I'm starting. I am going to change. You need to go to your house where everybody's fighting and everybody's mad at everybody. And you need to say, I'm going to change the atmosphere in here. I was called to change the atmosphere. All right, so why? Why would we do this? Why would the church be concerned with an anointing of atonement, an anointing of worship, and an anointing of ministry? Why would that matter so much for us to fulfill this work? I'm going to show you something here in the scripture. Why is the unclean anointed? We're talking about the first anointing. Uh, I'm going to shock some of you, and because your first thing is your first thought is to say, "Oh, because well, they're 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 sinners, and they need to be straightened out." Well, you're not entirely wrong. You are a sinner and you need to be straightened out. Uh, but that's there, there's more going on here than this. Why is the unclean anointed? Why does God put up with flaky people? Elbow your neighbor and say, there's a question for you. Why does God put up with flaky people? Why does God put up with sinners? Why does God put up with people who are sometimes better than other times? Why did, mm, I want to answer this question for you because if I could preach, I'd do a really good job here. So we're just going to kind of move into this. I'm going to give you some scripture and uh, this scripture is like this baseball bat and I'm going to hit you about the head, neck, and shoulders with it until my soul is satisfied. My soul is satisfied. First Samuel 12 and 22. Lord, why would you not forsake your people. The Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake. For his great name's sake. God is interested in revealing who he is. And there is a savior in the heart, the nature, the essence, the being of God. And he is not saving you simply for you. He was always going to save you. It is who he is. In fact, he wants you to know him by the name of salvation. Jehovah has become my salvation. All right. Why does he restore my soul? Have you ever needed some restoration in your life? This is Psalms 23. He restores my soul. He relieves me in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. Psalms 25 and 11. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. What? His name or your guilt? Well, both now that you mentioned it. Psalms 31 and 3. For you are my rock and my fortress and for your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. Quit letting the devil tell you that you aren't good enough. Just agree with him and smile real big and say, it's not really about me, Lucifer. He was always going to save me. 
It's who he is. Oh, y'all didn't get that. I'm going to this side of the church over here. He's going to save you because it's who he is. It's for his name's sake. Oh, I got more scripture here for you. Psalm 79 and 9. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone. You see that? Atone our sins for your name's sake. Psalms 31 and 3. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake you will lead me and guide me. You got that one twice for the price of one. Psalms 106 and 8. Yet he saved them. Why? Why? For his name namesake, that he might make known his mighty power. Psalms 109, 29. But you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf, on my crazy behalf, for your namesake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. Psalms 143 and 11. For your namesake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. But it's not just the worship leader singing about this Isaiah 48 9 for my name's sake the Lord says I defer my anger why are you going to defer your anger Lord Jesus for my name's sake for the sake of my praise he says I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off verse number 11 for my own sake for my own sake I do it but how should my for how how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Are you, are you getting the idea here? Ezekiel chapter number 20, verse number 9, 9. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived. Or verse number 14, I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned. Exodus 20 and 22, but I withheld my hand and acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned. Uh, verse number 44, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake, not according to your evil ways, nor according to your corrupt deeds, O house of Israel. How about we get one more? Ezekiel 33 and 22, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. All right, stay with me. Stay with me just a couple minutes more. A couple, maybe 30, maybe, maybe 55. We'll see how it works out. Why is the priest anointed? The priest is anointed to worship, to minister to the Lord. Why? There is no communion between heaven and earth without worship. Worship is how you tell God, I love you. The Apostle John points this out. He says, look, basically, uh, and this is the NJE, comprehensive uh, modern vernacular version, very, very costly, very expensive to use this version, but it's very big. It's the Nathaniel version, and it goes like this. Basically, you guys can be difficult to love something you can't perceive. Uh, so be careful saying that you, you love God and you can't love your brother, because how can you say, uh, John says in the Nathaniel version, how can you say that, that you, you love God? You've never seen God. He's an ideal to you. 
and you hate your brother who is right here, here, here beside you. It can be difficult to love that which is sublime. It can be difficult to love that which is distant. It can be difficult to translate the principles, the nature, the essence, the glory of God into the practical emotion of the human heart that can be difficult. You know how we succeed at that? By having a clear object of devotion and affection and through worship, we behold the beauty of the Lord. That's why we need to be worshipers. You see, saying you love the Lord without worship is saying you don't know what you're talking about. We are anointed to be a worshiper. And the king is anointed to minister other others. We are not the end of the, the work of God. We are the channel of the work of God. And I want to show you a transition that happens. And I'm almost done. I'm almost done. In fact, musicians, you can come up. Uh, I want to show you a transition that happens in the New Testament. This, uh, If you don't get anything else from this message today, I want you to get this. There is a, there's this, this shift in the in the spirit from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I want you to see this. In the Old Testament, we read, not all of them, but a bunch of them, where the Lord says what he did for his namesake. God cares how he is known. God cares how he is known. And he did all of those things in the Old Testament because he cares how he is known. And if you want to offend God miss his spirit and represent him as something he is not. And it won't matter if you miss his heart if you quote the law. You've missed his heart. This is the problem of the religious elite of Jesus' time. They bring women, a woman caught in adultery, and they quote God's law to God. And it really irritates the Lord. Why? They know the law, but they've missed his heart. God's in the business of defending who he is. For his name's sake, he loved you. For his name's sake. In the New Testament, the Bible does not give us all of these references about what God did for his name's sake. Instead, there is this transition that happens, and you find Jesus speaking for what you are going to do for his name's sake. So, let me start reading. Matthew 10 and 20. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 19, 29. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. What are you doing? You're doing something for his name's sake. You are revealing him. You see, in the New Testament, he's no longer revealing himself. He has asked you to reveal him. 
It's not what he does for his name. It's what you do for his name. Matthew 24, 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. What you are doing is going to reveal his nature and his heart. And so when people hate you, you can't hate them back. When people try to kill you, you don't get to kill them back. You have to show them the fruit of the Spirit when they show you the hatred of humanity. You have to sing while they kill you. You don't get to return strike for strike. You don't get to return insult for insult. They're going to hate you. you got to love them. And why you got to do this? Because you are revealing me to the world. And if you pick up the sword, Peter, you're not revealing me anymore. I will take over if you won't do it. And so when Peter tries to kill the servant of the high priest, what does the Lord do? He takes over and he heals. We are called to be anointed people of God. You are God's gift to a broken world. Acts 9 and 16, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Romans 1 and 5, Paul says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about obedience to the faith for the sake of his name. Paul, why are they chasing you out every town? Why are you getting stoned everywhere? And I don't mean the fun kind of stone. I mean the very unfun kind of stone. And and, and, and you're getting snake bit and you're, you're, you're shipwrecked. And what's going on, Paul? It's for his namesake, he tells the church at, at Rome. Third uh, John 1 and 7, For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. The angel in Revelations 2 and 3, I know you are endured patiently and bearing up. Why? For my namesake. And you have not grown weary. We manifest the nature of God by manifesting his heart in our life. So I want to end with this. In the same manner that anointed people bring about a change in the atmosphere, allowing that which is shut up in the heavens to fall to a parched and desperate world, in the same manner we we allow a change in the atmosphere happen by the manifestation of our life. The manner in which you live, the manner in which you love, the manner in which you turn the other cheek, the manner in which you embrace the outsider, the manner in which you accept, the manner in which when they hit you, you don't hit them back, the manner in which when you give, you don't keep a catalog, a spreadsheet of who owes you what, but you freely received and you freely give. You know what you're doing? You're anointed and you are manifesting the heart of God to the world and when that happens it is as though the heavens are broke open and out of the vault of the sky millions of pounds of water can fall on a parched desperate world let's all stand all across the house I'm so hungry to be the conduit through which the anointing flows. If you feel that way today, I'd like to invite you to step out of the chair you're standing in. I'd like you to make your way down here to the front. Our guests and friends, feel free to come with us. 
As you come, would you just lift your hands, just focus your attention on God and say, God, I want to change the atmosphere in my world. Would you do that? Lord, I want to change the atmosphere in my world. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.